Good morning, I'm Reese Tebow with The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Thursday, July 9th. James is out, but I'm here instead with the day's top headlines. Here are three stories that you need to know about. First up, on Wednesday, President Trump intensified his demand that schools fully reopen this fall. He slammed the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, pressured the agency to loosen guidance, and threatened to cut funding for schools that do not open. The CDC was already planning to issue new guidelines for schools in the coming days. But Vice President Pence explicitly tied the effort to Trump's ire, saying the president doesn't want the guidance to be too tough. Pence was responding to a reporter's question about the CDC's recommendation that students be kept six feet apart to prevent virus spread. School officials across the country have said they can't fully reopen while following that guidance because classrooms are too small to accommodate all students with the recommended distancing. My colleague Laura Meckler reported that the White House is trying to make the case that opening school is necessary for students' well-being. They're applying the same pressure to colleges and universities. Also this week, Trump chided Harvard for offering classes online and immigration officials announced rules that would block international students from studying in the United States if they're not taking classes in person. Harvard and MIT sued over the rule on Wednesday. The administration is finding it nearly impossible to control the situation. The president's views are often at odds with those of his health advisors, and decision-making rests with 50 states, more than 1,300 school districts, and thousands of colleges and universities. In other pandemic news, my colleague William Wan reported that once again, healthcare workers on the front lines are encountering shortages of masks, gowns, face shields, and gloves, a frustrating recurrence of a struggle that haunted the first months of the crisis. And next, a story from reporter Holly Bailey in the Twin Cities. Newly released transcripts of body camera footage show that George Floyd repeatedly begged police officers not to shoot him and complained of being claustrophobic as they tried to place him in a squad car in the minutes before he was killed on a Minneapolis street corner in May. The transcripts make clear that Floyd was trying to cooperate with police, but was deathly afraid of them, at times telling them that he had COVID-19 and was worried that he was going to die because he couldn't breathe while in their custody. As one of the officers pressed a knee into his neck and held Floyd on the ground, he told Floyd that he must be okay because he was able to speak, saying that he was using up a lot of oxygen, pleading for help. They're going to kill me, man, Floyd said, as officers sat atop him in the street, according to the transcripts. He died minutes later. The newly disclosed transcripts are from the audio of body cameras worn by two of the four ex-cops charged in Floyd's killing. The transcripts offer an expanded view of the events that led up to the Memorial Day killing of Floyd, who died after being pressed into the pavement for about eight minutes. It was eight minutes that would inspire one of the largest and most sustained series of protests in U.S. history. Eight minutes that would change the course of the American conversation on police brutality, social justice, and racism. And our last story comes from my colleagues in our Tokyo Bureau, Simon Denyer, Akiko Kashigawa, and Minju Kim. As the coronavirus pandemic rewrites the rules of human interaction, it also has inspired new thinking about how robots and other machines 
might step in. The stuff of the bot world, early factory line automation up to today's artificial intelligence, has been a growing facet of life for decades. The worldwide health crisis has added urgency to the question of how to bring robotics into the public health equation. Nowhere is that truer than in Japan, a country with a long fascination with robots, from android assistants to robot receptionists. Since the virus arrived, robots have offered their services as bartenders, security guards, and delivery men. But researchers say they don't necessarily need to supplant humans. They can also bridge the gap between people mindful of social distance, now or when the next major contagion hits. Want to drop in on your elderly parents but are afraid of passing on a coronavirus infection? Maybe you're missing your grandchildren and finding Zoom chats a little limiting? Well, ideas are brewing. Take, for instance, the Numi robot, developed by a Japanese company, Avataran. It's basically a tablet computer on a stand with wheels. The user controls the avatar from a laptop or tablet, and his or her face shows on the avatar's screen. Already available commercially, Avatarin's robots have been used by doctors to interact with patients in a Japanese coronavirus ward, and they've been used by university students in Tokyo to virtually attend a graduation ceremony. And they've even been used as a stand-in for family members separated by the pandemic. Avatarin's CEO said, it's like teleporting your consciousness. You are really present. And that's The Daily 202 for Thursday, July 9th. Thanks so much for listening, and stay safe.